1: Oakland Raiders week one, it's hard to find a better matchup eh, for like week one than your division
0: rival. You know, that's one, uh, it's an interesting stat that I didn't pick up uh, until last week that the Broncos and Raiders were the most viewed or most played matchup on Monday Night Football in Monday Night Football history. Uh, That was something I thought was pretty cool and a pretty good way to start a season, especially when the first Monday Night game is, uh, what, New Orleans versus Houston? I, you know, I think they definitely ended on a strong foot there with Denver versus Oakland.
1: Oh, for sure. I think, you know, I mean, I think the Broncos are on the up. You know, I think this year with like Fangio coming in and stuff, it's just a different mindset, different culture, different energy, you know, than Vance Joseph had. So it's it's exciting to watch. And I think the Raiders think they're on the up. I think they're doing a lot to demonstrate that they're going to, you know, that they're a different team than they were in the past. But i don't see that from them, you know personally i just don't see it just based on the antics they've had and, and, and the distractions and the, the big names they bring in like it's just a lot of showmanship i think they're trying to make the vegas move a lot more attractive for people based on who they're bringing in but you know even
0: the even the gm hire and we're gonna get into his and antonio brown's drama a little bit later but you know he's Mike Mayock is a, you know, football celebrity, and that's, yeah. I guess, great, you know, if you like to watch draft shows every year, but I don't know if that's necessarily a guy you want to hire as a GM, I don't know if he's not, you know, he's got had one draft and, you know, six months on the job, so uh, give him a benefit of the doubt for a little longer, I guess, but... That being said, the results aren't that encouraging. They haven't started playing real games yet, I know. But you're right in that the clown show in Oakland just seems to be going on and on in different forms as we go forward. And I, like you, am not buying it until I see it on the field.
1: Yeah, same. I mean, like, well, you know, we're recording this on Thursday, September 5th, so things can happen in between today and and game day. But the most recent news is, I mean, you know, and, and most people probably do know, Antonio Brown probably isn't playing week one you know he's facing a potential suspension he's even facing maybe losing his 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 guaranteed bonus and getting cut like that's how bad this is um so as you know for broncos fan everywhere i'm sure that you know antonio brown not playing is in our best interest you know it'll be great but it's going to completely change the outcome and the excitement of the game i think as well without antonio brown on that offense you know there's not really you know, other elite talents on that team, right? So it's going to take a little bit away from the entertainment value, but I think that just makes the the Broncos' defense like that much stronger against this Raiders team. Um, But before we get into this, like, the the matchup itself, let's let's just briefly go over this Antonio Brown thing. Um, What was your first reaction when you saw the the news, like, that came out today that he might be suspended or he threatened to punch Mayock in the face or whatever happened? Like, how did you feel about that?
0: Oh, I was elated. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I was absolutely elated about that. I thought it was hysterical. I had been watching, I'm sure as, as far as as well as everybody else, the uh hard knock season where we got to chronicle all of the issues with his feet and all of the issues with his mm. helmet and, you know, all of those things that we heard about Antonio Brown just being A locker room cancer, because, you know, he comes off as a nice guy when you, you know, maybe a little bit out there, but it seems like his teammates really like him, it seems like he's well-liked by the coaching staff, and you see all of these the you know, the weird things like the helmet thing and the foot issue... And you're like, what's really going on behind the scenes? What's the other half of this dude that the HBO cameras don't pick up? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the other half came out today. And, you know, yesterday in practice, too. And, you know, of course, we weren't there. We don't know what kind of altercations went down between Mayock and Brown on the scene. But we do know the fine letter that he got from Mayock. Of course, Brown posted that on his Instagram account. Everybody saw that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely um and so he you know of course unhappy who knows how it got brought up when when they were on the field together but it did altercation happened and you know now we're looking at a situation where mayock who has to not be able not put up with that if you're the boss at a at a workplace you've you've got to be able to keep your employees not necessarily under control but you've got to keep everybody on the same page as what the rules are who's supposed to be where, and how you're supposed to behave in a workplace scenario. And if you can't have everybody on the same page, and there's one person consistently causing a problem, that's going to be something to where you've got to figure out what, whether they're worth it for your or your team or your group to keep them there, or whether it's better to just, if it's better in everybody's best interest to just kind of say goodbye, you know, start over without them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're at a point now where they haven't made a huge investment in Antonio Brown. Like the thirty million dollar guaranteed, it's I think there's only been a million dollar paid so far as a signing bonus. Like the rest of that is supposed to come throughout the season. So I think they're at a point right now where, you know, if they do get rid of him, it, you know, it's not the end of the world for the Raiders. They gave up a third and fifth round pick for him. Like that's it was it was like hilarious to see that that was what they needed to trade for Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has had over a thousand receiving yards. In, he's been in the league for 10 years, in like eight of his 10 years, over a 1,000 receiving yards. He's had that in the last like six consecutive Like he, he's uh, Nobody can deny his talent and his potential and the, the way he changes an offense. When he's on the field, his presence is commanding. Like his skill is, it's elite. He is one of the best players at his position in the league. And unfortunately, we've seen this with a lot of other receivers in the past. Like the first guy that comes to mind is, is Terrell Owens. You know this elite talent, but these antics and this sort of personality and the ego that just takes over, and it—it's sad to say, but it just ruins, it tarnishes his image. You know, like let's—it's—it's sad. Like this guy could be so good, and he could be so, you know, such a a changing presence for the Raiders, but now he might find himself out of a job again, which is like—it's disturbing a little bit. Like,
0: and. I think maybe we're starting to see why the Steelers were willing to sell so low on him. The yeah. kind of The writing was on the wall in Pittsburgh, and if he, he was going to cause these kind of problems, let him do it for somebody else. Um, you know, the, Of course, like you say, they can recoup all, most of that contract if they mm-hmm. cut him for not... You know, There's standard language in every NFL contract. If you don't follow team rules, you can be cut, and yeah. they don't have to pay you anything no matter how yeah. guaranteed your contract is. So it's the kind of thing where I agree with you. It's a real shame that watching a guy who might, you know, be out of a job and not get picked up right. I mean, I'm sure some team out there will eventually halfway through the season take a flyer on Antonio Brown. But the more teams that you play or not play, the more teams you tantrum your way out of, the fewer are going to be there waiting for your call you know what yeah. I mean it's it's just not a scenario where you're going to have sustained success with that strategy especially being a wide receiver especially getting that hit, you know being over 30 yeah. years old as he is it's going to plateau eventually the skill set oh, and, yeah and you know he's shown absolutely no sign of slowing down now I will not lie. One of the reasons I was most elated, of course, like every Broncos fan, is because he was their best player by far. And if he's going to be suspended, that totally changes the makeup of a game of that game from must-see football to well, oh, kind of a crappy Raiders team. Who knows what the Broncos are going to be? There's not a lot of storylines left to follow now from this one if he's out.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good point, point. and um, I want to actually bring it back to what we said about the team rules and and Mike Mayock. Like you know earlier you said like Mayock is he's unproven as a GM, and I agree. This is his first stint as a GM. He's been a legendary analyst for the past. You know, like, I don't even know how long he's been working. Um, as a draft guru, but he was always the person that I just had the most respect for, and I admired the most in terms of his knowledge and and the way that he looked at football. He, he's he's really you know influenced the way I see the sport. And now to see him as a GM, I'm like part of me is really happy to see him stand his ground like this and just not bend all these rules for him So i think a lot of teams would have done that they would just let him behave as he wants because he's antonio brown you know because they pay him all this big money because of the stuff you just allow him to do these antics but mayock is just he's done with it and you know i think this is a great move i think it's a good culture move and honestly if they get rid of antonio brown he you know that might help the team overall because you know yes he's an extraordinary player but he's also an extraordinary distraction sometimes and that does affect the on-field performance and it does affect the way that a team can rely on a player and the way the coaches you know scheme around him and stuff like that um so you know let's not just stick on this topic i'm sure you know a lot of people have watched and listened and read on this but it's um it's just fascinating because, you know, if, if he gets cut from the Raiders, you're right. And, like, we don't know who's going to pick him up. And I don't think he can ever get something like a $30 million guaranteed contract again. You know, I mean, he... how,
0: how astounding would that be to see a player earn both a $30 million guaranteed contract and then be cut by that team in less than six months? I don't know. Oh. I mean... Totally unprecedented, yeah. in the, uh, unprecedented in the NFL, and like you say, we don't want to beat it to death, but man, it's an interesting story to follow right now, especially it since really we're Broncos fans and not Raiders fans. Oh, oh,
1: absolutely, and I feel bad for every Raiders fan on the planet because this is just, you know, if I was a Raiders fan, i just feel embarrassed and disappointed. Like, it just sucks as the fan because, you know, here you are, your team's finally picked up this elite talent, somebody who can help you take you over the hump, and He's behaving like you know a child, and it's just it's unfortunate and it's disrespectful to the sport and you know whatever it is, right? Like um, it just sucks for Raiders fans, um, but hey, we're Broncos fans here, so it's good for us. Um, so uh, so yeah, so that's Antonio Brown. That's it. That's all. Let's uh, let's move on from him. He's going to give me. A, I'm going to need a new helmet after thinking about him too. Yeah, right. My head's starting to hurt. Um, so yeah, let's get let's get into this game here. So. Um, the first thing I really like to talk about is uh, is the coaches. Um, for, so the Broncos this year, I mean, of course, we all know we got a new head coach in Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio is a defensive guru. Like, he's 60 years old, and he's been coaching the NFL for – um, 200 years, I think. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. A 40-year coaching veteran with 32 years of NFL experience. That's insane. That's a brilliant amount of football knowledge that uh, that Elway brought to this team. Um, uh, you know, he, he stuck with a defensive-minded head coach. Um, just like with Vance Joseph, but I think he's really looked at the other side of the coin in terms of somebody with a lot of experience versus somebody with very minimal experience. Um, So Fangio is, uh, I think very promising. I think he's one of the best coaching hires that, you know, the the Broncos have had in a while. And, and I think over in the NFL as well, like he's, he's, he's excellent, a lot of potential. The one thing I would say about him is he hasn't had any head coach experience yet. This is his first in, which is rare to see for somebody in, in his 60s. You know, you'd think that they've had that, you know, that shot before. But, um, you know, so we'll see how he takes it. But I think he, he knows how to do his job. It's very clear. And he knows how to command a room and he knows how to lead a roster. So I don't think the you know, lack of experience as a head coach is even going to be apparent. You know, it's going to be totally fine. Sure.
0: And you know, oh, you know, he's one of those names where you hear all the guys in the all around the NFL, GMs, other head coaches, coordinators, guys who've been around forever. It was one name they were always constantly, you know, surprised that he hadn't had a head coaching job yet. So I, like you, am not too concerned about him nailing the finer points of the job. I think he's going to pick it up quickly because he's really smart and he's not going to try to do too much too soon. He knows what his limits are probably, just knowing what he knows and knowing what he doesn't know, and he's going to figure it all out much sooner rather than later, I think.
1: Absolutely. I mean, one guy that comes to mind is Bruce Arians. You know, he hadn't had a head coaching job, I think, until his early 60s. Um, and he really got that chance when uh, Chuck Pagano went down with, uh, I think it was leukemia. And he was out for the year, and Arians came in, and he brought the Colts up to the playoffs. And after that, he went to the Cardinals, and now he's with the Bucks. But you know, he's had a lot of success, you know, in his brief stints as head coach later in his career. And I think, you know, we can expect something similar from Fangio because he's brilliant. His defensive mind is extraordinary. Like he's he's just one of these gurus in the league. And and to have them on the Broncos, I think it's uh, it's awesome, especially with the defensive roster we have right now. Like, the uh, you know, our team can only get better with his presence. If we just look at what the Bears did last year under Fangio. I'm expecting something very similar from the Broncos. Now, you know, I I don't think that the Broncos this year have the same quality secondary as the Bears had last year. Um, But, you know, we still have Von Miller... Bradley Chubb, uh, Todd Davis is always solid, and Chris Harris is, you know, an elite player in this position. So, you know, the people are in the right places. Um, Bryce Callahan as well. I think he played for the Bears last year under Fangio, so here's somebody who knows the system.
0: You know, I think there's sneaky depth to this secondary too. I think this could be. You could look at this secondary at the end of the league, at the end of the year as one of the top five in the league easily. Just depending on how some guys develop. If Isaac Yadam and Devontae Bosby, who are looking like cornerbacks three and four right now, if they both take steps forward, uh, you know, Yadam, a young second year player, uh, but a, a guy who was kind of forced into action last year. Looked a little uneven at times, but also showed some flashy athleticism, I thought, last year. Uh, And if that guy, You know, we already saw in preseason, he got the interception off of Jimmy Garoppolo, of course. Bradley Chubb caused the pressure there. And, boy, we'll talk about that pass rush in a minute, because that is going to be something special to watch this year. Mm -hmm. But um we so he saw that interception he had some good plays in coverage I think if these guys are going to go anywhere in the in the league it's they're going to have need teachers like Fangio and Donatel um to take them there and I think that they have one of the best setups for young uh, young corners in the league here Uh, Devante Bosby comes over from the AAF where he was interception leader it was a pretty short season of course Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had multiple interceptions in that league um, and comes over to the Broncos, brings some experience as a zone corner, which is a lot more what he's going to be asked to do in a Fangio system as opposed to just man to man. And we saw him also flash some pretty great plays in preseason. Now, of course, it's preseason. Take it for what it is. But I'd rather have those guys keeping up with guys in preseason yeah. than have them you know, five yards behind guys. So that you know, if those guys take steps up, and if Bryce Callahan and and Chris Harris, Kareem Jackson can take care of the back end, I think this is going to be a re- could be a really special secondary to t- concert with that pass rush that is going to be absolutely fantastic this year. Oh, Broncos yeah. fans, we are in for a treat with Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and you know what? The defense is all interconnected. It's like an ecosystem, right? So the pass rush is doing well. The secondary looks that much better because of it, right? So, you know, the system's going to gel really well. Um, What I really like about Fangio's system is he runs, like, a a relatively simple system but it's just the way that the you know the the cues are taken by the players and, and what to read that makes the difference like his is really his big specialty is this cover four with a jump call that just allows the defense to put themselves in better positions against certain crossing routes and certain like zone beaters that offenses can throw at them and, and we saw that last year with uh with the bears with you know with fuller and jackson back there these guys are ball hawks and it's it's a because they're extraordinary athletes and great football players but b the system they played under is very effective and that's one you know
0: know. the nfl offenses are really trending to those bunch formations where Mm -hmm. you can get rub routes for receivers get guys open easily get some defenders crossed up and so to have those you know that was one thing that i saw stressed in those preseason telecasts was that you could see all of the defensive players in the backfield defensive backfield looking at the quarterback Uh, immediately when the ball was snapped all of them were able to keep eyes on the quarterback the play was happening in front of them and it was a lot easier for them to be where they needed to be and also and when they were in in that position where they needed to be that was also a position for them to make plays because of the scheme and how it how it set up those players to have success so I like you I'm really excited to see how that plays out this season it is a simple scheme but we do see a lot of especially disguises in the scheme. You see a lot of trying to confuse quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and that's especially important when you have quarterbacks getting as much information from the sideline as they are these days. In their headsets, they're getting protections called to them, they're getting the play called to them, and it's not a lot of time to be able to see a defense, try to react to that based on the play call that you've got, and then see guys go in completely different directions, and it's a completely different play call and then and then Von Miller's coming into your lap. It's like for those for opposing quarterbacks, yes. it's going to be a mess this season. It, it's yeah. I think
1: you know I'm really hoping the Broncos return to that elite form that they were. You know the defense was still good under Vance Joseph, but it was good not great. You know it was just not reaching its potential. So I think you know the Fangio is is really bringing a different culture and, and his system. And what's great too is he's got uh, Ed Donatell as his defensive corner Ed Dantel worked with him in Chicago, they're going to play the same sort of system. Right. And it's also fantastic. Like I've got an issue with head coaches that are also play callers on either side of the ball. Like, yes, some coaches do it great and it works out. And it's totally fine. I'm not saying it's not good, but I'm also a believer in giving, putting the right people in the right places. And if you can get a good defensive coordinator that knows your system, let them take care of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't just try to do everything at once. And uh, so I think, you know, gonna be great. There's a lot of, uh, you know, good experience on the defensive side too, in terms of coaching. Um, the defensive line coach has been Coaching for 30 years in the NFL, Bill Kohler. So that brings a lot of good experience to this roster. Linebackers by Reggie Herring as well, 13 years. Um, you know, so there's a lot of great experience, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, it's going to be very promising. And the great part about this, this defense, too, is, you know, I don't see many young and experienced players you know, across the board, I don't think there's any rookies starting this year on defense, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you have this crew of guys who have been around for a while. They've seen a lot of different games you know, they know what they're doing, you know, from the defensive line to the DBs, everybody is, is, you know, seasoned. So it's really promising. Um, The, the, the one point of weakness I, I sort of see on the defense is the inside linebackers. And that's been an issue with the Broncos for as long as I've been watching them play. Um, However, you know, the Bears last year didn't have really big names at you know, inside linebacker either. People were saying it was a position of weakness. But with the strength of the defensive line, with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller eating up the edge, Derek Wolfe, Shelby Harris, and Adam Gotsis, who's massive up in the middle. Like, these linebackers, it's you know, they're still NFL players. They'll still make tackles. They're You know, the, the rest of the team is going to make them look really good. So, you know, the, the weakness, I don't think, is going to be a huge issue. I think that just the system itself is going to eliminate a lot of the weak spots. And overall, this, this roster is going to really take off. And I think playing against the Raiders week one is a great, great matchup. It's like preseason game number five. They're not going to have Antonio Brown probably. So that leaves them with, you know, the secondary is going to look great against Tyrell Williams and J.J. Nelson. Hunter Renfro, whoever that is. Right. You know, and it, so, you know, Antonio Brown is a game changer. J.J. Nelson's speed demon is super fast, really good athlete. Same with Tyrell Williams, but these sure. guys are— nice
0: number twos and threes. Yeah,
1: exactly. They're linears, They're deep threats. Like, Tyrell Williams had uh, great, great times at uh, with, with San Diego and L.A. Chargers um, as a deep threat. You know, that's what he specializes in. And a deep threat is, is great. It's essential in an offense, but it's easy to eliminate if you have nothing else, right? So I think the uh, the Raiders' offense is going to struggle. Um, their offensive coordinator is Greg Olson. Greg Olson has bounced around a lot in the league. Um, you know, he's worked with a lot of different teams and stuff too. He's, he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, he focuses a lot on keeping the ball safe, limiting turnovers. Um, from what I've seen, he runs you know a sort of power run offense and his version of it um it's it's just not that inspiring i would say on offense like john gruden he was an excellent offensive mind back in the early 2000s the game of football has changed quite a bit since then
0: last year the raiders
1: were not very exciting you know and i don't i just don't know how much his mentality and, and, and and sort of system translates to today's game, but you know it's yet to be seen. Um, but I just you know I, I just want to run through this this offensive roster for uh, for the Raiders. It's kind of interesting to see how much experience is on this crew because Greg Olson's been there eighteen years. The wide receivers coach Edgar Bennett twenty seven years. Um, you know fifteen years for Tom Cable, who is not a very good offensive line coach.
0: Well, and see this is the kind of thing that Gruden is kind of. I mean, this is a Gruden staff. And that's yes. kind of one thing that he's he's known for prizing is experience, you know, yeah. getting guys with league clout. The not longer, you know, the longer list of teams that you work for, the better for John Gruden because that tells him you've been around the league and you know your shit, yep. your stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, and uh, so, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the hallmark of a Gruden staff to me and kind of a Gruden roster too. You know, we saw that with mm-hmm. them keeping Mike Glennon this year, (laughs) a quarterback and Nathan Peterman, and then stashing Peterman on IR and going after Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. Because that's the other hallmark of a Gruden staff. He likes to have young players just around. Yeah. He likes to just collect guys that, you know, he maybe thought had a great draft process
1: five years ago. And look at, look at the, the quarterback trend as well. Like Derek Carr's, you know, he's not a strong arm guy. He's a bit of a field general, you know, he manages the game well. he doesn't have a whole lot of turnovers. He's, you know he's a middle of the pack sort of starting quarterback, right? But Mike Glenning and Mike Glennon and Deshaun Kaiser are both strong arm, strong arm guys, huge cannons, but they can't do much else. Clearly, they have, you know, they both had a chance to start and they both didn't make it happen. Granted, with bad teams, but still, you know what I mean? He, the players can make the most of their situations. So it's like you've got this field general starting quarterback, and then you've got two strong arm guys in the, you know, as backups, and you've got. Peterman, Nathan Peterman, Mister Intersection himself. Like it, it, just there's no continuity. You know what I mean? The system, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like you, you want your quarterbacks to be able to run the same system to re- to make the rest of the offense, you know, just sustainable. But to have these different guys, it just it doesn't add up in my mind. I don't know. You
0: know, it's it's this kind of thing where potential from five years ago is more important than production from last year, and. Yeah. I don't know if that's a way to coach a winning football team anymore. We're going to have to find out. You made a really good point earlier about our inside linebackers that I wanted to kind of circle back to, because that is one thing I'm really going to be watching Mm -hmm. Uh, the run defense and especially how those linebackers were able to flow up to the ball. Uh, We might, I, you know, if I had to guess, I might see say we would see Mike Purcell a little bit at nose tackle, just a guy who's going to clog up run lanes and be a big body in the middle and make life difficult for the center and guard. Uh, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But, you know, of course, both of Oakland's guards, starting guards that they plan to have this year, not going to be playing. So we're going to have to see how that tra- tra- translates. But, you know, if that run game, if they're finding early success with that run game with lighter bodies in there, like Shelby Harris at nose tackle, Mm -hmm. uh, we may see, you know, Mike Purcell come in there, may may move Harris to end and have him just kind of rushing from a defensive end spot there uh but you know that's one thing I'll be watching Shelby Harris for carefully this year yeah. is you know we saw those flashes of pass rush ability and disruptiveness at the line of scrimmage last year but his run defense always left a little bit something to be desired it always seemed like he was more looking more to start his rush up field than to play his disciplines on and his gaps on run plays so that's one thing if he really wants to turn into an all pro defensive lineman like he's shown flashes of his talent being That's one thing he's going to have to step up his game in. But it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting test against a power run game like Oakland has.
1: Well, for sure. And, you know, um, I think that Purcell and and Harris are going to be sort of like 1A, 1B all year. You know what I mean? I think Fangio Mm -hmm. and Donatello are going to play them in where they fit best, what the best matchup is. You know, it's it's really going to... It's going to be up in the air, and they're going to play the hot hand, really. you know. So I think you know, you make a good point. You're going to play the guy who's going to be able to, to demand the most space against the run game. Like Harris is 6'2", 290, big boy for sure. But Purcell's sure. like 6'3", 328 or something yeah. like that. Like he's huge. So He's big guy. So you want somebody like that who's, who's going to eat up the run, right? And if we're looking at the Raiders' offense, like they just signed Rodney Husson to um, an extension. He's the highest-paid center in the league, well-deserved. This guy is an extraordinary center. Yeah. Um, you know, probably top three up there are Travis Federick and Jason Kelsey.
0: One of their top five players on their roster for sure. Oh God, absolutely!
1: Yeah. Like he's he's outstanding and he's only gotten better. Um, you know, the rest of the line: Colton Miller, first round pick from last year, still improving. Jordan Devy, never heard of this guy in my life. Uh, you know, so we'll see how uh, how he takes off. I mean, he's thirty one, six years in the league. You know, we'll see how that on, goes.
0: Yeah, that's what I was, you know, they had, they signed Richie Incognito to play left guard when uh, mm-hmm. they, yeah, um, when, oh gosh, what's his name with the MCL now? I can't remember. Uh, Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, whoever left, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so they, so Richie Incognito was going to play left guard. Of course, he got suspended for two, the first two games of the season. So okay, yeah. the guy they were going to have for, fill in for him had to be kicked over to the right side because of an injury there. So they're going to have, let's see. They are going to have Denzel Good playing right guard. They were going to have him starting at left guard, so now he's going to have to kick over to right guard. And they've got what you could call a journeyman in Jordan Devi or Devi uh, playing over at left guard. And that's something I'll be watching all night. Is going to be that matchup, and you know if you can abuse that. And I trust Vic Fangio to send more than just Adam Gotsis at him. I think you could easily see Von Miller. And Bradley Chubb rush at him multiple times that night, just to see who they can who they can get past into the backfield.
1: Absolutely, and that's the beauty of the uh, the thirty four scheme that Fangio runs. Right, it's less defensive linemen, but it's more flexibility. Right, so you've got like Chubb and Miller on the edge, but these guys can stunt, they can slant, they can drop back into coverage. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. So. This offensive line, like if you look at it, all the predictive starter with Miller, Incognito, Hudson, Jackson, and Brown, that's a pretty good unit. Like it's it's up there in terms of the best in the league. But now that Incognito's done, Gabe Jackson's out. You know things are changing a little bit. Um, the Trent Brown's pretty good right tackle. I think he got paid a little bit too much money this offseason but I think it's just based on the market
0: but you know just
1: I don't know man Colton Miller and, and Vaughn Miller you know, that's going to be a, a great Ooh, that's what Von that'll Denver. be one we can exploit all night long Oh, absolutely absolutely so I think you know I think the defensive line for the Broncos definitely has an advantage here um, I think they're going to be able to stop the run pretty well just because Tom Cable isn't a great offensive line coach he had his best years in Seattle when Marshawn Lynch was at his prime and honestly any offensive line coach would have looked great right with Marshawn Lynch in his prime. Like, oh, yeah. you know, this guy just made everybody look good. And Russell Wilson, who was this magician, he still is a magician back there. So, you know, I think his accomplishments has certain asterisks that we have to consider. But um, mm. yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that the Raiders power run game is just not going to match up all with the Broncos. Josh Jacobs is, you know, he had a good college career, not a, an extraordinary talent by any means but he's good it's promising and he has a lot of potential in the years to come but this is his first pro game you know against a pretty stout defense and i just you know it's hard to predict what's going to happen overall i think the broncos defense really has the the um, the advantage you know i have been having
0: this weird a little weird thought in recent weeks and I think we as Broncos fans all recognize at this point that Bradley Chubb is due for a big step forward this year. We've talked about it before on the show, on various shows here at Orange Weekly uh, that we all think Bradley Chubb is going to become kind of a monster. I'm really starting to wonder if it's not impossible that he turns in a better season than Von Miller does. Mm. I am really, really intrigued by mm. the speed, the power, The fact that last year he came on and got stronger as the year came along. We saw him really just succeeding with one move, the bull rush last year. And it was good enough to beat tackles like Andre Whitworth of the Rams, a guy who has been a staple at the left tackle position in this league for a long time. It made him kind of look silly a couple of times in that Rams game. That was kind of his coming out party last year. But to think that he has now added a... Speed pass rush move as well. And we saw him do it against San Francisco in the preseason. Again, preseason, take it for what you will. But Joe Staley looked like he was standing in mud. Mm -hmm. And Bradley Chubb just ran right past him. I am thinking defensive player of the year caliber season for Bradley Chubb this year. And I think he's going to be, you know, when I look at his body type and I look at Khalil Mack you know you, you can't make the Khalil Mack in comparison until he has that type of all-pro season first for sure but man just a lot of similarities with how good an all-around pass rusher and player Mack is i i think Bradley Chubb could get there if he's if he continues well, on this career trajectory
1: he you know from the moment that he declared for the draft he was top 5 talent you know what I mean? He was just considered one of the best players at his position that year, and, and he showed it. And I think the Broncos were – I mean, Elway was just, just completely surprised when the Browns passed on him and went with Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is a great player. Like, he's going to be another elite player at his position. But you know, Bradley Chubb was it just fell to the Broncos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Serendipity. I was, oh, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I had my fingers crossed and just cha- like begging – them not to pick a quarterback because my you know my baker mayfield who who i really wanted for the broncos but that's when yeah. they under the bridge he was gone <laughs> and uh so i was you know i was ecstatic when they picked bradley chubb and i think we are all going to be ecstatic about it as if we're not already no, before the year's over
1: and, and i think uh, defensive player of the year is you know very very you know reasonable and yeah, um, within his reach oh yeah for sure and i think that he's just going to be another elite player in his position honestly it's um it's really good so uh, let's let's flip around here let's talk about the other side of the ball um so the the raiders defense is a little intriguing um they've got their defensive coordinator in paul gunter and Paul Gunter has spent the last 13 years with the Cincinnati Bengals, and the last four as their defensive coordinator. he's been in the NFL for 17 years, so really the majority of his career has been with the, you know, the extraordinary Cincinnati Bengals. Excuse me, the disappointing Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> the, That's the perennially disappointing Cincinnati. Bengals. Yes, yes. I don't know how I mixed up those two words. My bad. <laughs> but um, Gunter is um, like he's had some good defenses in Cincinnati. We can't deny that. Like you know, he, he's a good defensive defense coordinator, Uh, he runs a base 43. Um, Base 43 usually comes with your standard cover one man, cover three zone, and cover two, you know, zone, Tampa two, whatever it is or whatever the situation calls for. Um, The roster on the defense is, you know, interesting. They drafted Cleland, what's his name? Cleland Cleland Furl, like fourth overall. That surprised everybody and Mayox said they drafted him really based on his character which is fantastic like i you know he's a good player it's awesome they they want leadership they want to change the culture you know i think i honestly think it surprised everyone but at the end of the year we may be sitting back and say yeah you know he's a good pro um is he going to be an extraordinary pro maybe but maybe not. You know, we just don't know. Um, other than that, their defensive line is, is intriguing. they got Maurice Hurst, second-year player. He's, he's very promising. Jonathan Hankins, established veteran in this league. And then as their backups, they have Corey Legit and PJ Hall. PJ Hall was really hyped up before the draft. I was pretty excited to see him uh, come out. Disappointed to see him go to the Raiders, but he hasn't really hit his potential as, as much as people thought. And Corey Legit is a good starter. So their defensive line is... You know, it's decent. It's really not bad. And I think uh, Gunter is going to play off that and it's going to help his system as well. But uh, the f- farther back you move, the scarier it gets. they have got Vontaze Burfict and middle linebacker. And Burfict apparently was the voice of reason in the Antonio Brown conflict, which... <laughs> you know, like... What
0: on earth? I mean, what does that say about your roster if Vontaze perfect is the voice of reason? I yeah. just... Where are you, Oakland? Yeah,
1: and I mean, he's going to get suspended probably this year. He's going to get penalties. Like, this, just his style of play. He's an aggressive player. But however, he's had his best years under Gooden. So, you know, I think he, I think, you know, Mayock and Gruden were able to find a key player that knew Gunter's system and put him in as one of the leaders, the staple, he's the middle linebacker. So I think perfect is, you know, he's a great player when he's playing well. Um, so I think that helps, but to hear Whitehead and, and Nicholas Moreau at the outside linebacker spots are not extraordinary. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how these guys match up with our tight ends running backs. But um and then let's move further back. daryl Worley, Gary and Connolly, and then at corners and then Lamarcus Joyner, the rookie Jonathan Abram and Carl Joseph at safety. You know, this this mix, there's potential, but it's very unproven Carl Joseph has been disappointing. Jonathan Abram is a first round rookie. We don't know how he's gonna be. Jamarcus Lamarcus joyner was great with the Rams, but you know we'll see how he is with Gunter and their cornerbacks are let's not even spend too much time on them. Um, yeah. so overall this defense is, you know, do you have any thoughts on this defense or you know what?
0: I like our matchups against this defense because, like you say, there's some intriguing pieces on the defensive line. There's nobody there that's a real premier name, nobody there that makes me say we have to have a special game plan for this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some solid starters in there like Jonathan Hankins, uh, you know, Maurice Hurst and Arden Key I think were their second and third round picks from last year. And then, of course, Cleland Farrell. He's a guy who it sounded like from the draft process, and, of course, take this for what it is, but his – floor was a little bit higher than some of the guys that he was drafted ahead of but his ceiling probably sounds like it may have been a little lower than mm. some of the guys he was That's drafted where, ahead right. of has a little bit less potential but maybe is a little more pro ready right now which is something they desperately needed the oakland raiders uh, anybody who's who's followed that team last year knows perfectly well this rather embarrassing stat they had 13 sacks last year, which is fewer than Von Miller, and one more than Bradley Chubb had in his rookie season. So it's, uh, you know, they needed help there immediately, and they went and maybe reached for a guy who could step in and help, but we're just, you know, they didn't see him much in preseason, they didn't play a ton of their starters on either side of the ball very much, so we're just going to kind of have to see how it plays out in real game action. Like I was saying, though, I think when you look at our matchups, our tight ends, and Uh, running backs against these linebackers. I think there's vulnerabilities there. And that's exactly what this Gangarello offense wants to do. Oh, it yeah. wants to make those mismatches with tight ends, with running backs in coverage against linebackers who are not going to be able to hold up. And I'm looking at guys like Daryl Worley and Nicholas Morrow. Boy, I mean, Vontez perfect was never a guy who was, you know, your coverage in the middle of the field linebacker anyway. Yeah. Um, he was always the guy that you, that you, you know, wanted to put illegal hits on people. But he's not you know there's not a lot of speed at this linebacker position anywhere you anywhere you look at it and you know philip Lindsay, royce freeman noah fant you know this might be a nice coming out party for noah fant if it's not too big for him you know monday That's, night football yeah. first round rookie we'll have to see but he may get a lot of chances this game with a quarterback especially and a scheme like this that are tailored to get the ball to him
1: Oh, absolutely. You make a good point about uh, these linebackers because perfect is a great run stopper. Like he's fantastic. He can plug a hole and hit like nobody else. But coverage is not his strength. And you know, you, you know, I'm excited to see how these other linebackers sort of perform. Because so I think it's around the same thing. Um, and Scangarello comes from the Shanahan coaching tree, and the Shanahan coaching tree is all about the zone run, misdirection, and it's all about masking stuff, right? So the defense doesn't really know what's happening until it's happening so you know a zone run against these linebackers is going to be great because there's no specific hole these running backs are going to run to it's finding the open hole right and it's all about quickness and misdirection and all this stuff so you know there's there's a lot of potential here i really like our matchups just like you and and this is a good segue to the broncos offense because i think this is one of the more um, exciting units to look at roster wise not many changes but schematically and and philosophically yeah i said that right philosophically it's it's different right with the scangarello it's about zone and it's about that misdirection shanahan style whereas last year who was the offensive coordinator last year
0: was it musgrave i'm pretty sure bill Billy moose
1: exactly yeah whoever that was it was you know and and it just never worked out so you know i i think you know our biggest new piece is of course joe flacco and you know I think Joe Flacco needed a bit of a resurrection. I think he got it with a change in roster. You know, I think he just expired in, in Baltimore, you know, and, and that's fine. It happens. Players, you know, you kind of fall into a routine and you lose your sort of excitement. But now you come to a team with a whole new roster, a whole new strategy, a whole new set of coaches. I'm sure he's more than motivated. He's a proven winner, a proven, you know, leader too. So it's, it's exciting to see somebody with that, you know, we, we know what we're getting from Joe Flacco
0: one comparison i want broncos fans to keep in mind and it's hard not to compare him to peyton manning of course because that was our other big free agent you know acquisition of course joe flacco acquired in a trade not free agency but you know still that was kind of our most recent big splash at quarterback obviously and you know came in to a new franchise played for a different one for a long time but found success with the new team I wouldn't think Peyton Manning right away when I think of this situation, but I would encourage Broncos fans to think maybe Carson Palmer. Remember his career and how it had kind of petered out with the with the Bengals, how bad he looked in Oakland. Some of those were my favorite games to watch when the <laughs> we, Broncos were playing the, those Carson Palmer Raiders. But when he found his way to Arizona – he really found a lot of success there. He found, yep. you know, he got that change of scenery. Appeared in another Super Bowl. Didn't they won that Super Bowl? Actually, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Now, no. And now it's Kurt Warner that I'm thinking of. So yeah, yeah. scratch that. But you know, made the playoffs. You know, yeah. Well, and
1: and here's Kurt Warner. Some success. Yeah, Kurt Warner's another oh, example. He absolutely. did great with the Rams. Went to the Giants, faltered out, and then resurrected with the Cardinals. You know, it's, it's yeah. Joe Flack was on. He could be on that path as well. I mean, a Super yeah. Bowl this year. You know, I want to be realistic. I don't think the Super Bowl is in the Broncos near future. And by near, I mean this year, maybe next year. But at least there's there's potential to make the playoffs and make some noise now with a guy like Joe Flacco at quarterback. Yeah. You know, there's you don't have to
0: squint or tilt your head nearly as much to see a playoff berth for this team this year, like you did last year. It's you know, you see the talent on the roster, you see the potential in the coaching staff and the talent that's already there in the coaching staff. You see some names that make you really excited, but you just you you hold on and and cross your fingers. You know, the injury bug happens every season. It happens oh, yeah. to every team. There's no way to predict it, and it can totally just just derail your entire season if the one wrong guy goes down. So let's, you're right, it's temper expectations, a 500 season would be a good start the way that last season ended, a playoff berth would be gravy- Anything outside of that is too is too far-fetched to hope for. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, which is interesting, too, with this offense and this whole coaching staff, it's a little bit different than um, the Raiders. The offensive staff, like these, you know, the wide receiver coach, two years' experience, the uh, the quarterback coach, four years' experience. Scangarello's only got four years' experience. These are younger guys, younger mentality, right? And usually what comes with youth is innovation, drive, motivation. So I, I think it's a nice – um a fresh new look but the i think i've said this before and i think the greatest acquisition of the entire year for the denver broncos above anything else is mike munchak mike munchak is hall of fame offensive lineman and an extraordinary offensive line coach like the way that the steelers offensive line transformed under him over a number of years it was remarkable and and i think that him coming into the broncos and taking on this underperforming offensive line the, the line has been an issue for a number of years let's be honest and this guy coming in i think it changes everything you know we brought in juan james who you know had some okay times and in with Miami, I think he's, he's got a lot of potential. Drafted Dalton Reisner. And Dalton Reisner is versatile, flexible, athletic. He's pre, he could be one of the best offensive lineman prospect to come out of, of this draft. Like honestly, he's really good. Connor McGovern at center. Yet to see how that goes. Ron Larry established you know guard, and he's really great too. And then Garrett Bowles is if he can stop holding, which I'm sure Munchak will fix that. He's got potential too. So, you know, this coach with this crew, I think automatically this offensive line just gets better. They, they may push for, I don't know if they're going to be an elite status, but they're going to they're have that potential just with this coach leading them through, uh, through this year. Um, and, you know, with, with these new players too, I think it brings a lot of uh, promise. To this unit, honestly, and I think his experience is going to help Scangarello and it's going to help the rest of this uh, this offensive crew because it's just like he's you know, he's he's incredible at what he does, right? And then Invaluable you know, experience. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely, and and the offense lives and dies by the offensive line. Um, you know, Flacco, he's he's got he's got a strong arm. He loves playing that deep ball, and we've got the receivers to do it too with Corden Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. Hamiltons. B, you know, he's really fast. And, and Emmanuel Sanders is, you know, excellent. He's a, uh, you know, just a great receiver, professional, great teammate, great leader. So it's, you know, the offense is, is looking like it's got some new young leadership. It's got some veteran coaches to help stabilize. And it's got some young and old players too. It's a great mix, I think. And Philip Lindsay is, you know, he's, he's going to, I hope he has another great year. Last year was awesome. He was a big reason why I did well in fantasy, and you know I, I'm really looking forward to him this year. I love his style. I can't wait to see him in his own offense too. Like this guy is just all about making that one cut and burst, and he's shifty. And I think he's really going to fit into the system. Um, and you know, matched up against this Broncos defense, oh, sorry, these Raiders defense, I think that you know again the Broncos offense really has you know the overall advantage. Um, but they're playing in in Oakland, right?
0: That's right, believe, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So,
1: you know, not a very long road trip. Uh, you know, they're used to playing in this environment, and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to play spoiler to the Raiders fans. Um, overall, this this entire offense and defense is just looking, uh, you know, better than it has in, in a number of years.
0: Yeah, no, and I am especially looking at Deshaun Hamilton as far as offensive players who... I think are going to take a leap forward this year. Mm. Uh, You know, Cortland Sutton is kind of the obvious answer there. And sure, I think he's definitely a candidate. Um, If his route running improves this year, there's a legitimate number one starting potential there. That wide receiver position for Cortland Sutton. Uh, You know, just can he do the little things? But route running is something that Deshaun Hamilton already has to a science. And to me, that's one thing that I'm going to be watching for him to establish with a quarterback like Joe Flacco is that chemistry. Those guys who can run routes and be where they're supposed to be within an offense where a quarterback already knows the system, but he doesn't know his guys yet, where he knows where people are supposed to be, and he sees that his guy, this guy is going to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. That's going to be a reliable target for him very, very quickly. Yeah. So I think that that's that's going to be something to watch this season. Is does Deshaun Hamilton take a big step forward and build a big rapport with Joe Flacco as the season's going forward? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, absolutely. Another guy I want to look for. I'm really looking forward to watching is Noah Fant. You know, our, our, our first round pick. Um, we traded back, and I think we got a great player at where we were. Noah Fant is an excellent college tight end. Um, the one thing I'd say with tight ends and rookie tight ends is it tight end's a very difficult position, especially yeah. in the NFL. You're, you're, you've got to block a lot more than you did in college. It's it's intricate. It's it's difficult. And I think, you know, with Jeff Heurman, Heurman, Herman, 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 whatever his name is. Heurman. Heurman. Yeah, he's, he's a great blocker. So I think he's going to take on more of those blocking roles. And Noah Fant's going to play a bit more of that H-back sort of flex player that can block and then get out of the way and go catch a ball. And, and Flacco's always been really, really good with his tight ends. If you remember back with the Raiders, uh, with the Ravens, sorry, he's always had a good rapport with his tight ends. The tight ends are always a top target. So I think Noah Fenn's going to grow into that role as well. And, yeah. you know, by extension, that's going to help Hamilton and Sanders and, uh, and Sutton because it's, you know, again, an offense is like an ecosystem when one guy's performing and then the defense gears towards him and then the rest of the players get over, right? So it's it's all working together and I think it's going to work really well this year.
0: And you know that's another thing. You brought up a, de- a really good point that you know Hireman's probably going to be called on to take on the most blocking responsibility. But I think when you watch the Rich Gangarello offense, you like to see you see what kind of what you see out of the Vic Fangio defense, which is guys in motion, guys who uh, disguises mm-hmm. in formation, uh, guys splitting out wide at the last minute, and you know guys doing things that you don't necessarily expect them to be doing. So I would maybe, you know, kind of expect to see Scangarella deploy Noah Fant in some of those blocking positions and have him maybe not as a decoy, but just kind of keep this defense second-guessing themselves. Is he going to stay in and block this play? Is he going to blow right past me down the seam on this next play? Not really sure. I have to keep, you know, play him honestly. And the entire other, and the, like you said, the entire offense is going to be able to feed off of that. That ecosystem, it's going to be a little bit different for other guys. It's going to create opportunities for Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, Jeff Hyerman, like you were saying. Oh, big time!
1: And, and you know, if anybody's not convinced yet, look at what uh, you know San Francisco did with George Kittle. Yeah. You know, George Kittle was just an unnamed sort of player, and then he made the Pro Bowl, second team All Pro last year. Um, he's at thirteen hundred receiving yards, like eighteen hundred receiving yards. You know, it just no, 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 no. Excuse me. 1,300 receiving yards. And he, um, yeah, he's just an excellent player. And I think Noah Fant has that potential as well. You know, he's he, he will show up and he will play well. Maybe not right away. It takes this big learning curve at tight end. But throughout the season, I think he's become a very good offensive player for us. So mm-hmm. um, I think we should maybe wrap this up a little bit here. So um, right now, let's go into the predictions for this game. So what do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? What do you think the score is going to be?
0: Well, so, you know, before the Antonio Brown drama this, uh, this earlier today, um, I did predict a Broncos win. I thought 24-17 Denver was going to be, you know, I thought we were going to go into Oakland and kind of surprise some people with how effective we were and how stingy our defense was right off the bat. Now that he's not going to be playing – I could see it becoming much easier a 24-13 to 13 or 24-10 to 10 game. I just think that this defense has the ability, if we can stop the run and shut that down early, we can completely smother this Oakland offense, I think, without a doubt. So if they go in and establish themselves early and punch them in the mouth, I think you know holding the Oakland offense to 10 or 13 points is totally reasonable. So I'll go 24 13 Broncos
1: 24 13 Broncos. Yeah, you know that's a pretty good prediction. I, I have the same sort of idea um, with Antonio Brown being there like he's you know he brings the identity of the offense with him. and now they without Brown, I mean what's the identity? Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs and uh, not really you know I don't know. There's nothing really buying to for this Raiders offense. So um, I think that the game is going to be really one for the Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to win like a 27 to uh, maybe 14 game. Close to you. I think you might score a little bit more points, but mid-20s to mid-teens is really what I'm predicting. Um, All right, man. So, uh, yeah, we're closing off today. Any closing remarks, anything you want to say to the people before we go off? Well,
0: I, you know, I, I don't know if I actually introduced myself at the beginning of the show. You guys, I'm David. You probably know me from the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show here at Orange Weekly. Um, I'm filling in for Jared tonight. He is off doing very important things. He's actually, um, you know, in, in the middle of chief training for the Navy. Uh, so he's, you know, actually helping people and serving our country. So you know, great for Jared. But like a sucker, he's missing out on all the good football podcast action. So I get to step in and do this ultra fun thing instead of him. Uh, But when he's back this season, we'll kind of all three be be appearing on the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to to being here with you guys and having some more hot podcast action this season.
1: Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. I'm a terrible host. I didn't introduce you to nothing, man. We just get right into it. Terrible. It's
0: it's, football's back. We've got to get right into it. Do you know how excited I've been to talk
1: about this? Like I have been waiting months. And
0: not just go over preseason highlights. Like it's. You, you talk yourself into the at the beginning of the preseason you talk yourself into it like oh football's back yeah this and by the end of week three you're just like oh god kill me. oh this <laughs> is so boring awful. and thing, now it's the yeah. real like you know, I'll be honest with you watching this Green Bay Chicago game has not been an exhibition in fantastic football but man am I excited that the games really count
1: oh yeah yeah it's, it's fun that the games count um, I mean week one two are just I think extended preseasons like it's yeah. it's the first time that the whole starting unit is actually going to played together Um, you know so as we go off you're like I said, I mean, this is gonna be a great game. I'm pretty sure the Broncos are gonna win. Um, I'm sure most experts are gonna say the same, especially if Antonio Brown's gonna be crying in the corner or whatever he's doing. And um, it's exciting. I'm really looking forward to this whole new season of, uh, of podcasting and, and really, you know, helping the, the Broncos fan, you know, fandom just just rise up and, and really follow this this team that's on the up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this new coaching, this new leadership. And um, just, you know, we've got a new website now, growupbroncosorangeweekly.com. Go check that out. Uh, Videos are posted there. Articles are posted there. Um, You know, as we add material, it's going to become a nice little central hub for for Broncos anything, really. So, Mm,
0: Yeah, both your boy Matt and I have already posted sizzlers in that article section. So you guys... Absolutely need to check that out at broncosorangeweekly.com. dot com.
1: Big words, man. We do more than talk; we can write. Apparently, apparently proud. Of. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today, and uh, we'll catch you all next week.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. As always, go Broncos. Go Broncos.